and welcome to another Carrier's Edge podcast. Did I come in late there? No, okay. you were just fine. All right. As long as you start before the music disappears completely, you're good. I don't know. Why can't I start things? I don't know. I'm never good at the beginnings. <laughs> well, you started this one fine. Oh, Pretty hello much and, perfectly. and welcome. Yes. Here we are. We haven't done this for a while. It's been a couple of months. We took the summer off. We took one month off, I think. Yeah, uh, two months. Last one we did, I think, was in June. So I guess that actually makes it three months. Kudos to my math. <laughs> okay, what are we going to talk about today? Well, first of all, finish the opening. If you're going to do a half-baked oh, intro. Oh, I forgot. I'm Jane yeah. Jess Rowie, co-founder of Carrier's Edge. And I'm Mark Morrell, other co-founder of Carrier's Edge. I figured that people would know that by now. Well, maybe people are joining for the first time. True. And they wonder who these nut jobs are that are do- doing this podcast. <laughs> yeah, before they go and download the next podcast that they actually wanted. Yeah. The, the other one that starts with C. The Cooler <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> so this is episode 24. It is. Uh, the first episode of our new season. Which <laughs> <laughs> like an important show that we have I a know. hiatus. Well, we do have a hiatus, which we decided to take because we realized we were pretty burned out. We were. And these podcasts were starting to spiral along with the various writing activities and things. So we needed to take the summer off and recharge and do some different stuff. Um, Go back to just doing like regular work and focus on that for a bit. So we did. And now we're all recharged and ready for podcasting. And another round of crazy, which is the best place to die for. Which starts now. I thought you were referring to yourself, but. Uh, oh, well, there. that's kind of, it's not really rounds of crazy. It's just like sort of steady with dips and high points. Steady state of crazy. Yeah. Yes. So what have we got on the agenda today, Jane? Any idea? I figure you probably have best fleas to drive for on the agenda. Yeah. I was going to talk new about course, that a little bit. New courses. Yeah. So for the last two days. Jane has been trying to run ideas past me on a new course, and I keep saying, stop it, hold it for the podcast. <laughs> well, it's it's possibly the most fascinating topic ever. Which Not is- yet. <laughs> We're still at the table of contents. You don't dig into your topic content before you even have your introduction or any of that other stuff. Okay, so, go ahead. So stop you could parading see, me and just keep on going. As you can see, she's uh, got a lot of pent-up energy on this new, as yet, undisclosed course that she's working on. And I thought we would talk a little bit about some of our other summer adventures and what we have happening in the fall and other industry goings on, and we'll see where we go. Okay. Now we finished the exposition at the beginning. You can start on topic one, your course. Weights and dimensions. Yay. Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, (laughs) It's a bear. Although I think it's because I don't really, it's, it's something I'm really not that familiar with and measurement hasn't always been my strong point. So You say this at the beginning of every course that it's tough and it's confusing and it's boring and it's exhausting and all of that. That's just your process of digesting. Yeah, I'm in the, I'm in the process of, of digesting and it's actually, I, I think I've come out of boring to, I figured out how I'm going to start talking about it which is defining, well, not even defining, but talking about all the different parts of, well, first you have to do, okay, let me start again. 
first you have to do, you know, why it's important, blah, blah, blah. But then I want to sort of start with what all of the different measurements and weights and things mean and why can you do this and all the different <laughs> definitions of bridge, <laughs> which I think is hilarious because I, I have to do North America. So I have to do Canada and the United States. And of course, Canada does weights and dimensions basically by vehicle type. And in the U.S., it's sort of um, here's your maximums. And all the states have different varying weird laws. And this is the problem is that everybody has all these different laws based on their particular infrastructure. So it's really hard to get a sense of it. And figuring out that, oh, look, Canada does it completely differently than the U.S. The U.S. has something called, they call it the bridge law or the bridge... Um, formula. Bridge formula. I was thinking equation. I don't know why I was thinking that. And it's pretty straightforward. You plug in all these numbers and you see if you are within the legal limits. And, you know, you have to be able to figure out bridge formula or go to a website website and put your numbers in to see if you're compliant, blah, blah, blah. But then in Canada, there's no bridge formula. Hmm. So how do you do it? So that's what I'm trying to figure out is the process for a driver to figure out uh, where to put you know, how to load the vehicle, how, to, you know, what all the different weights mean and, and when you're in and out of compliance. But what I found interesting was that there was bridge formula, which people, which I th believe is about the weight you can put on a bridge, basically on your infrastructure. So it's, it's, it's about a bridge. But there's another definition of bridge, which is the distance between the kingpin and the axle on a trailer. And that's what some people think that bridge formula is relating to. But those are actually two different things. There's two different Completely rules. Different. Yeah, so there's bridge formula, and then there's the distance that you can have the kingpin, or sorry, the your axles from the kingpin. And uh, that was all day yesterday, me figuring that out. Because Lord knows, nobody just, you know, writes it down simply. <laughs> That's mm -hmm. my job. I have to go and sort of get all this information in my head and then spit it out in a logical manner. Mm. So I figured out all of this stuff about bridge, bridge, bridge. There's a third bridge that I found, and I was like, okay, I'm not even going there. Um, but it was part of uh, length or something like that. So within this one subject, bridge can mean three completely different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's no wonder there's confusion. Oh yeah. It, it does not surprise me. And, and I can understand why it is happening because infrastructure is not something that we all created a couple of years ago. It's been, you know, there are some roads that have been around for hundreds of years and then you have super brand new highways and and you have different areas of the country so spring thaw is a big issue in the north and but not in the south but flooding is an issue in the south so you know that affects the roads differently and how much weight you can put on a road is going to be affected by the environment so there was one comment because i was reading driver I was reading a driver board, which was actually really helpful in this case. It actually mm. gave me that whole, oh, bridge can refer to two different things. I was like, oh, I see the light. And um, 
if someone was saying, oh, why can't they just have one rule? It would be just so much easier. And I'm thinking, yeah, why can't you just have one rule? I don't have to write a course then. And but it's it's because of all of these environmental factors and you want to protect the roads. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, you don't want to have to rebuild your entire infrastructure every 10 years because you have let people put too much weight on it. So mm-hmm. it's a I and I'm not even sure how I'm going to do it because every province has slightly different rules for slightly different vehicle configurations and all the states have different rules. So I'm going to have to try and figure that out. Hmm. Well, an adventure. It is an adventure. It has become more and more of an adventure now that I've gone from complete, I know nothing about this, to, oh, okay. So I'm going to try. And it's also, there's all these different different words that people use to refer to, like, the kingpin is generally three feet three feet from the, the front of the trailer in cam pausing because in Canada, I think it's two meters or something like that, but the, that and that's the six other feet. Yeah. So I'm trying to think of what the measurement is in, in Canada versus or Imperial versus anyway, that's supposed to be a certain distance, but then they talk about the kingpin radius and there, and there's all these different ways of talking about the different trailer types Hmm. so i just figured out what the difference is between a low boy and a step deck Hmm. (laughs) it's funny that these things have never come up before like like it's funny how many of these little bits of sort of the regular operations we just haven't encountered through other courses or through other activities and i guess you hear people reference them but you don't really get into a lot of detail about them because it it hasn't come up and it's uh it's funny how many corners of the uh, of the operations you know are still out there to be explored one of the things that i'm sort of realizing is that depending on what your business is you may or may not ever have exposure to mm-hmm. a low boy i mean low boy is basically for hauling really heavy stuff like equipment uh, you know, so you have a couple of bulldozers, you're going to put them on a low boy or something like that is what I think. So someone who does reefer yeah. is not going to be doing that. Yeah, so tanker how do people I, don't deal with it. Yeah, and tanker people are not going to be interested. So my concern is how do I make a course that can somehow be applicable to both, to everybody? Because it's really about trailers. It's not about your tractor because your tractor, it, everybody's tractor has to be the same height and width. Well, it's one of those things where there's so many differences from state to state, and sometimes things change each year. Like I see that spring thaw uh, load limits and the restrictions get placed in different uh, areas. They get announced every sort of spring, and it's it's not something that we're going to put the actual details in the course. So it's kind of like hazmat, where it's going to end up being about here's how to read this and decipher it and what to do with yeah. it. Here's why you should care and why it matters and how to fit it into your day and how it works in a process when you should be thinking about these things. So don't just think about it when you're about ready to leave, think about it in advance and plan. And then <laughs> don't think about it when you have a load on your 
yeah. Taylor. When you're <laughs> pulling out before, of the yard. Think about it before the load goes on. <laughs> so it really ends up being more about process and less about the details because the details are going to be in whatever reference they're using yeah. for wherever they happen to be running. And Alberta has actually a really nice uh, web page where you plug in your dimensions and weights and stuff like that and it basically tells you nice. whether you're in the whether you're in the limits or not. Okay. So, yeah, I found that this morning. Oh, that's cool. That's the excitement. So, hopefully I will be able to come up with something that uh, works. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I generally do. I'll run it by somebody uh, first and they can tell me if I'm completely off. Yeah. Well, as you keep digging, the pieces start to fall into place and then you get some outside input from partners or customers and you look at the other material that's out there and you know how people are doing it now and eventually you put it all together. Mm-hmm. So I do. That and that is a fun adventure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it strikes me that this process is a very internal one, that whole, cause I'm learning things, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, and part of how I learn is by talking about it. Mm-hmm. Part of how I process things is, is talking about it and drawing pictures of it and things like that. It's my kinesthetic learning. I'm fully aware of that. Having been on the other side of that for pretty much every course. I know. You've had this for the last couple of days. Me wandering around behind you going, so you know, I'm very confused by this. Two months ago, I had the same thing for fall protection. You know, I'm not sure why they do it like this. Yeah. And there's a reason. I just don't have it in my head yet. so. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that fall protection will be out. Well, it depends on when I can get the pictures, so... They're I'm in hoping, progress right now. I'm hoping the pictures are going to be done by this weekend. Oh, very nice. Yeah, so that we can put them in and uh, go from there. Good. I, I don't like having courses half done and sort of waiting for... Well, we had a productive summer of getting yeah. new content out with that mammoth inspection course. Vehicle inspection. Business yeah. in, uh, for Canada. So French version of the courses for federal regulations and English and French versions of the courses for Quebec-specific regulations, right. which always then, annoys the crap out of me. Why do they need their own set of regulations for an inspection for one province? Come on, get on board with the federal rules. Well, Alberta does the same thing. I know, and it drives me crazy there, too. They're not that special. They can uh, follow the rest of the rules. It'll make our life so much easier. Ours of service is, is not a great... I, it's so problematic. I really, and I think that many people think it's problematic, especially since it gets revisited every five minutes. Mm-hmm. Not so much in Canada, but in the U.S. for sure. And and I don't know why Alberta yeah. doesn't want to adopt so, the federal regs. Vehicle inspection seems to be the Canadian version of the U.S. hours of service, the thing that's always changing or changes regularly. And now they're trying to do the same thing with dangerous goods. Oh, it's starting yeah. to become something that gets changed on a regular basis. Just pick something. Yeah. So we can build content around it. Yeah. It's, well, new things keep happening, right? I think mm-hmm. the whole lithium battery addition mm-hmm. uh, was because of the, you know, people didn't ship lithium batteries that much in, before. And yeah. now they're, I would imagine that they're a very large percentage of everything. Yeah. Then you had all these Samsung phones getting on fire and exploding and things like that. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that with the uh, the advent of a- Amazon, mm-hmm. where you're not going to a store. So before, I think people would, you know, 
ship, they would ship from the manufacturer to the retail outlet. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, one shipment. But now it's you're shipping to hundreds of different places from the the uh, the manufacturer. Could be. Could also be that there's a lot more electronic stuff that has lithium ion batteries in it. Yeah, there's that too. Yes, there is that. But I think that it, the way that people ship things now mm. is is contributing to the more dangerous nature of of or you finding out what the hazards are mm-hmm. dif- different things so so did you have an update on that over the summer as well or no mm-hmm. that was last december you did those last updates i didn't that. yeah i haven't included lithium specifically because uh lithium batteries are part of class nine we cover class nine mm-hmm. um you do have to have a specific label for it and i'm going to do some updates um, hopefully by next sometime in the first quarter to just to um, include that. But you don't, I mean, for for our Transportation of Dangerous Goods course is more about reading the, being able to read the regulations and figure out your placarding and things like that. And if you know what the class is, then you know. Right. You know how to placard it, right? Right. So. Okay. And the other thing is, is uh, the other part of it is, is you know how to read the ERG, then you know what the specific dangers of, mm-hmm. of it are. So if you have a company, if you are shipping or transporting lithium batteries, then there's other information that you need, but we don't cover the specifics for each type of class, right? Mm-hmm. So for... Um, class three, we don't go into all of the different things you have to do for class three. We talk about where you get the information and how you get the emergency response information and how you figure out if there's an ERAP, but you don't go say, okay, here's how to handle explosive or flammable goods. And it's the same for lithium batteries. We don't go into that. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So over the summer then, um, you had vehicle inspection stuff that went out and you had some other new titles, a bunch of French and Spanish stuff mm-hmm. as well. So Winter driving in Spanish. And fuel efficiency. Yes. Spanish. Uh, so, and a number of things that are, uh, were worked on, but haven't gone out yet that should be coming out soon. So you mentioned fall protection. Correct. Which uh, I am looking forward to seeing because I think it's going to be a nice course that isn't just a generic OSHA style fall protection. It's going to be specific to transportation and include some of the things that they need. So really be much more meaningful for flatbed and tanker drivers. I'm hoping. Uh, The other course that we're doing. Your completely overhauled forklift course. Yes. Yes. We're going to have a forklift. Well, we have forklift for the U.S. that we're developing because it's, of course, slightly different rules. Um, And OSHA is... It's basically the Canadian government regulations versus the U.S. government regulations, which are very similar, but we can't use uh, we can't use the Ministry of Labor in mm. the U.S. So <laughs> yeah, there's some basic updates, but yeah. you ended up doing a much more significant overhaul because you went and did a new a whole new photo shoot. Yes, um, so we took the, the opportunity. Yeah, we took the opportunity because we had to do changes based on geography, you know, Canada versus the U.S., we decided that instead of just updating pages with U.S. information, we would go and do an entirely new photo shoot because that course is... That was old. Yeah. Ten years old. And it, yeah, it could, it 
was due. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, not a lot has changed. It's just going to look a little bit nicer, a little sharper. Um, well, also the course development process has changed and what our content looks like has continued to mm -hmm. evolve. So like all of these courses need an overhaul every few years just to incorporate that stuff. Yep. So there's more around characters. There's more uh, different visuals that were done in a particular way and your questions are written a particular way and that sort of thing. So yep. you kind of update it to incorporate current best practices, basically. Yes, that is what we... And also as we, you know, as a company, I think as we um, spend more time in the industry, we learn more about the industry and what people need to do. So I noticed that um, because I have my, uh, I have staff who are doing it, but I'm looking at it going, no, people don't do it that way. They do it this way. No, you can't say that because this is how it is in the industry. And that's what I'm noticing mm -hmm. is that as we mature as a company, who works in the industry, our courses are getting better just because we know more. And even with this this weights and dimensions course, I'm thinking about cargo securement or when I was doing fall protection, I'm thinking, ah, cargo securement needs that or needs that part added to it. Well, these things also evolve just within the industry. So, mm -hmm. you know, the language that people used five or 10 years ago may not be how they think about things now. Uh, so when I hear... You know, I see people, and this is sort of uh, getting into a little bit of what I hear from customers talking about other products when they sign up with us coming from other systems. And often the complaint is that the content seems dated or it's old and they say, oh, this content looks like it's from the 80s or from the 90s. Well, I know full well that those products weren't on the market in the 80s or 90s. Um, so they are recent. They are, you know, within the last 10 years or so, but if they haven't been updated to reflect what the equipment looks like, because uh, that's always evolving, you know, how people dress, um, the kind of language yeah. that people use, then it looks really dated and that stuff can get old really fast. So, you know, what you're doing, part of it is us getting used to other language that people use within specific disciplines and seeing the connections between different subjects more tightly, Yeah, but also... All of that evolves in the industry. If you think about the best fleets and every year people are changing their best practices and finding new things that they do and changing how they do it, we incorporate all of that into the courses. So you need to keep going back and kind of rebuilding it. Even if the regulations don't change, you still got to refresh that course. And you've done that with Forklift and I think it's going to be a great course when it's finished. Um, and you're starting on that process with the defensive driving course. That is the other project that we are embarking on, um, we are going to expand. Uh, well, we're going to expand it, but it's going to not look expanded because we're going to merge a couple of things and sort of re rearrange a couple of things. We're basically doing, we're rearranging the furniture and throwing out some garbage and putting in some new stuff new stereo system. Hmm. I know you don't have stereo systems anymore. Um, going to get a tiny, I don't know. Well, it kind of is like that because you're getting rid of this giant system and, you know, replacing it with something small that sounds better. Exactly. So yeah. Your course so it's is like that. Get rid of the extraneous stuff, tighten up. Um, but also you know, now that we've had 
eight or 10 years of watching how people use that defensive driving course, seeing the questions that they struggle with, the places where they want more information, mm-hmm. uh, or just looking at it, going back to it and saying, yeah, I, I think we probably don't need as much there. We could put more detail in something else. Um, you know, going through all of that and updating all the animation. I mean, the, the state of illustration and animation has changed. Yeah. And you know, technology has enabled a lot more to happen in that area. So that's one of the things that I want to do is get some better, get our animations updated. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what we're, we were working on the structure uh, for a while. And so we kind of have a structure down and, as we go through the redevelopment, we're going to start looking at what kinds of animation I gotta I gotta find I gotta work on that basically is is that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, so that's I mean it seems like it isn't a lot. We're working on fall protection, defensive driving, finishing up forklift, uh, and weights and dimensions. So yeah, that, no, that is a lot. Well, we're also probably going to be starting on some other French stuff and other Spanish stuff in the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, probably cargo securement would be the next one to do uh, for those um, or something else. I don't know. Maybe some of these new ones would make sense. Forklift in Spanish would probably make a lot of sense. Yeah. So we'll have to see, on those as well. I'll have to see what uh, has been requested. Yeah. See what's at the top go of the and, request go list. Go and check the board. Yeah. So that's been busy. Um, so it has been busy. I have been busy. I have been working hard. I'm sweating. <laughs> Who are you trying to convince with that statement? <laughs> Me or yourself? Hey, you know, even when I don't look like I'm working, I am working because I'm trying to process things. Yeah. We're working hard when we're floating around in our pool. But no, I haven't been in the pool for a while. Um, the other thing that I've been doing is, well, I don't know. Are we? Can we talk about shows yet? Events? Yeah, we can move on. To events? Well, that's the most structured segue I've ever seen you make. So I have to honor it and say, yes, we'll now <laughs> close the chapter on course development and we'll start a section talking about events and shows. So start by recapping shows that happened since our last podcast, which was really Gats was the main one or the only one, I think. I think, the la- yeah, the last podcast was like, oh was my right God, we've done so much. When you, right around the time that you were in Myrtle Beach. So. Right, with the South Carolina mm-hmm. Association, which was which was a good event. And oh, I hope I hope that everybody is... I hope they're okay down there. Yeah, well, hopefully they're not there or <laughs> where if they are there, they're safe because right now the, the hurricane is in... Mm-hmm. Well, it's about to go and basically sit onto the mainland and dump a lot of rain, so... Mm-hmm. that's what people are thinking is going to be the real problem with this, with this storm is the fact that it's just going to sit there for what, up to 80 hours. Maybe. Anyway, I am off track. So, uh, talking about shows that are coming up. So no, you have to start by recapping. Talk about Gats. Oh, Gats. Oh, okay. This was our first time exhibiting at Gats. Jane's first, first time, time ever at attending. Gats. Yes. So yes, it was an adventure. And what, what is your, Recap from Gats. It was, I, it was. Sorry, we should clarify. Great American Trucking Show, which was in Dallas at the end of August. Yes. And it was an interesting show. It was, there. it was big. It was extraordinarily big. And I, and it was different from the Canadian um, shows that I've been to just because there was a lot more 
there's a lot more um, um, people, vendors who are selling directly to drivers yes. than I'm used to. Well, I'm, there was no equipment manufacturers there. So there's not like anybody's going there to buy trucks or trailers. Um, yeah, it's people selling to owner operators and stuff to make life easier on the road for drivers mm-hmm. and a million companies recruiting. And I didn't realize how much how much call there was for a glass cleaner. <laughs> Apparently there's a <laughs> there's, huge need for glass there cleaner. There was like four different vendors that I saw, just the ones that I saw. And I didn't walk the show that much. Like I did a couple of laps and looked at the the. It wasn't a show and shine. It was, was it a show and shine yeah, at the pride back? And the thing. Pride and Polish. The Pride and Polish. That's what it was. And um, so, and I kept thinking, wow, because there was a glass cleaner behind us who cleaned our glass for us. Yeah. It was a very nice gentleman who cleaned our glass because I guess he was having some practice for his yeah. demos. Um, and they were busy the whole time. Those guys. And the cell phone guy. Yeah. The cell, cell phone, phone chargers. Oh my God. It was funny. Because what ha- what would happen, he tried to sell me his cell phone chargers, or, which were basically a cell phone cover with something on the back that helped charge the battery. Hmm. And I had just gotten a new phone with a new cover, and I don't want one. So, Especially some knockoff from some vendor you've never heard of. Yeah. And, well, I'm not a big, I don't, I don't, I'm not a shopper like that. Hmm. So I would rather, you know, investigate it and sort of think about it. And so he really was trying to sell me and I'm like, no, 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 no. Thank you very much. But, you know, so I went over to my booth like and we were we were sort of diagonal from each other across a across an aisle. But a couple of people that came to talk to us that we know through the industry <laughs> would come and say, oh, I got to go talk to that cell phone guy. because mm-hmm. It would stop working within like I bought one yesterday five hours. <laughs> <laughs> or this guy who was very tenacious was like grabbing everybody who walked oh, by. Yeah. Oh yeah, I want a cell phone charger, and they're like, "I got to come see you because I bought one yesterday and it's broken." Yeah. Oh, come by. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing that was different was now there's alcohol sold at most conferences. That there's alcohol available at most conferences that we go to. Conferences and conventions, yes, not trade shows. Yeah, I guess the the one that we the trade show, yeah, the one in. Toronto, there's no alcohol, but not only was there a bar set up, which, okay, that's a little unusual for me, but you know, okay. But in the booth that was directly across from us, they actually had a bottle. A bottle sitting on the table. Along with, they were also, they had a little poker thing going on too. Yeah, it was basically a gambling, which I guess was sort of the theme of their booth is don't be a gambler, come sign up with us or something like that. Don't be a gambler, but come gamble gamble. and drink. Yeah, come gamble and drink with a bottle of scotch or something sitting on their, their booth. It was a bit of a different environment than I'm used to. Yes. But, uh, you know, we had a lot of interesting people. It was really nice to sort of meet different vendors and different um, people. Like we had a couple of customers come up to us who are customers through Impact. Um, And I also got to meet uh, Dave Nemo in person, which was, yeah, which was really surprising because he sort of came up. I don't even recognize him because I I recognize his voice, but I don't recognize him to look at him. Because, you know, you see these little tiny pictures of these people and, you know. And they're all 15 years old. Yeah. And like, I don't know if, 
I'm recognizable by my picture. But anyway, Dave Nemo came up to the booth and said, hi, I'm Dave, ne- Dave Nemo. I wanted to meet you. And I was like, huh, that's cool. <laughs> and so we sat and talked about, well, you and I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, ten- have this binge watching tendency for uh, shows we like, mm-hmm. and apparently Dave Nemo likes some of the same kind of shows that we do. So his latest, because uh, I was on the show this week, his latest recommendation is that um, Jack Ryan. Okay. That Jack Ryan One show. One that's being advertised like mad. Yeah, with John Krasinski, mm. who I just cannot see as a super spy because <laughs> he's like... He's, still, he's stuck in that role from the office. I know. And he's like kind of the doofus guy. Doesn't look like he could punch anything. And I bet you in that show, they will never have him in a white dress shirt with a dark skinny tie. <laughs> Cause that'll just with immediately, his... you know, with him looking at the camera and smirking, he just can't do that. In that show. Yeah, I know. Cause you'll be just like, Hey, it's the guy from the office. whose no, character I name I can't remember. Jim Halpert. Oh, Jim Halpert. Yeah. It's Jim Halpert, which I think was, yeah. So anyway, Got to meet Dave Nemo. Um, I wanted to meet Mark Willis, but he was busy. Um, and yeah, I, it was it was uh, it was fun. It was a bit of a zoo on the recruiting side, um, and I ha- we, did, we weren't there. We weren't in that section. We, we were in, uh, adjacent to that section, we but we avoided, could still hear the noise yeah. and. Uh, I developed a somewhat of a strong opinion about what was happening on the recruiting side and uh, wrote a LinkedIn article on the way home about it, uh, which got a lot of traction. A lot of people have shared it and liked and commented on it. Basically, I was railing about how I thought it was uh, a terrible idea for all these booths to have like a circus show at their booth when they're trying to attract drivers. And you should be treating drivers like professionals and give them professional information about the position and trying to identify who's going to be a fit for the company and who isn't rather than just the beanbag toss or the roulette wheel and like the, all of the other nutty things that we're doing, uh, people were doing at their booths. And I just, I don't think that's going to work out well for them because it's going to attract the wrong kind of drivers. So the ones, you know, and it, it was kind of funny because we were looking to see, okay, are there any best fleets here? And if so, what are they doing? There was no best fleets uh, exhibiting there. There was a few fleets to watch. Um, but actually, sorry, there was no current best fleets there. The only one that had been on the list was Landstar, um, a five or six time best fleet. And they weren't doing any of the circus stuff. They weren't doing no. any of the, the crazy party stuff. They were just, here's what our job is. Here's how it works. And maybe this is right for you. Maybe not. And Landstar, because they're all owner operators, they have a strategy around GATS and they go to, to mm-hmm. Mid-America Truck Show too. And they have a strategy for that too, which is basically there's an area like a pavilion as well as their booth, which is, you know, come in. Oh, the partic- hospitality yeah. suite for all of their uh, all of their contractors. So yeah. it's different than companies that just go and buy a booth and basically try and say, hey, come work for us, come work for us, which... Uh, you know, for some carriers that might be an effective strategy, but I think that other, I think that the more imaginative fleets are actually trying to come up with different ways to attract people rather than go to a truck show and set up a, set up a booth. And just see who can shout the loudest. Yeah. 
And, and I think that would be my way of doing it, which might be slower, but it would be more. Well, that is our way of doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we go to these shows and we have comfortable chairs and a table and good carpet with under pad. And we say to our customers and our partners and anybody that we know, come by and have a rest. If you're tired of walking around, come by and have a rest. We don't do much advertising. We're just sort of there if you want to find us. And it was funny. I, I wasn't expecting actually to get any leads out of that show. Well, we were joking about it saying, okay, how many people are going to come by on the last day? Two. Yeah. Are we going to have, you know, how many conversations about training are we actually going to have? And we're thinking, oh, maybe three for the whole show. Yeah. But uh, it ended up having a, a lot of effect. We had a lot of conversations and some people that are very serious. So I was really surprised uh, because those people, they know what they're after. They come looking for it and they came and found us, which was great. Mm -hmm. uh, so um, in addition to having the booth as a way to kind of meet and um, provide a service for partners that are in the area or sort of a central meeting point for anybody that happened to be around, we ended up uh, getting a lot of uh, a lot of conversations and a lot of discussion with people out of it, which was a pleasant surprise. So we we'll did be back next year. And there was also Best Fleets there. They yes. just went there exhibiting. They were there because they had drivers in the Pride and Polish. Or, or no, they had the Rookie or, of the Year. Yeah, finalists. Rookie of the Year. So yeah, we still ended up seeing a lot of people there, which was very cool. And we saw Prime. Um, uh, Viria. Viria. And, uh, and Melton was there too. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So that was nice. I was not, ex I didn't know what to expect, but uh, what well, was really interesting about Dallas was that because that's where Gats was? Uh, what was really interesting is the the difference in where you go and what you can find there. So we went to Deep Ellum and had barbecue, mm -hmm. um, which was which was quite cool and it was very good. Mm -hmm. That's um, where all the millennials are in yes, Dallas. Yes. So you want to feel like an old person? Go. <laughs> if you are an old person. Yeah. Well, we got dragged by a millennial. So. Yeah. So Marley, Marley took us there, which I had forgotten. I had been there before when I was a millennial. Well, mm. not when I was a millennial. When you were a young person. When I was a young person. In the 60s. I'm giving him a look for all of you. He's who probably giving me the finger, but I can't see it. <laughs> um, but I had, because I had been to Dallas in my old software life, and my, my old, you know, going back and forth to Silicon Valley. Um, I had gone to Della, Dallas and... Uh, for doing some training for resellers and it was software training and uh, I got taken out to Deep Ellum and but this was a really fun uh, that was really fun mm -hmm. so the barbecue was good we had some we went to a bar that had some very cool drinks mm -hmm. and uh, and then went to a place that had about a zillion different kinds of beer mm -hmm. um, and then we went to a the next night went to a fancy French restaurant. Yeah, in Dallas. Because that's what you do. <laughs> Everybody goes to Dallas for French cuisine. <laughs> now, what stuck out with me was the insane temperature differences. Like It's like a million degrees outside and super humid. So the minute you step outside wearing your work clothes, you're covered in sweat. And then you step inside to the event center and you freeze. It's like walking into a freezer. Um, you know, So people are walking around. I mean, you had layers everywhere you went. You had layers that mm -hmm. you're taking on, uh, taking off, putting on for different things. So that was really weird. Well, see, I do that all the time. 
Yeah, I'm events doing are that always now. weird. Yeah. So I have a sweater on right now, but I'm getting kind of hot, so I'm probably <laughs> going to take it off. And but that's me anywhere. Yeah. So you're just experiencing what it's like to be, you know, a uh, somewhat over 40 woman. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we're referring to it as now, somewhat over 40. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, I'm there not you a have day it. over 36. Yeah. yeah 39 yeah, plus 39 plus plus. Forever. Yeah. So anyway, Gats was a great experience. Uh, so we'll be back there. Um, we'll be back next year, but coming up is, uh, through the fall is a fairly insane schedule. Um, yep. now by the time we do the next one of these podcasts, I think we'll be just about starting it. We're just about to get into the craziest part of it. Cause we've got, I don't know, four or five different events through October and November. And at the same time, we're supposed to be trying to do all these interviews. And yes, the Best Fleets program has kicked off once again and seems to be going like gangbusters. We had 74 fleets nominated in the first week, which has got to be a record because last year we had 100 fleets total nominated. Well, last year was a bad year. It was a low year. Yeah. But the most we've ever had is 140. So to get 75 in the first week... Um, I, I'm very curious to see where we end up this year. Well, I have been touting the program yeah. far and wide. We've been doing so. a lot more marketing on it and, uh, you know, it's getting out there a lot more and with such a, a crunch on the, uh, the driver side, um, particularly in the U S fleets are scrambling to do whatever they can to, uh, to attract more drivers and making it onto this list certainly is going to help that. So and the people I, uh, who are on the, the companies that are on the list really s- talk about how much it's helped. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. Um, I was looking just before we started this and there are five companies that have already completed and submitted their questionnaires. Five? Five of them. Oh, we're yeah. going to have to un... We're going to have to unsubmit probably for them after the webinar. Yeah. So we do a webinar at uh, the end of October and it turns out we had already picked the date for that. Um, which is going to be October 23rd. It's a webinar kind of on how to do the questionnaire, which doesn't tell, doesn't give people the answers. Um, so it's not like we're giving undue advantage to anybody, but what it does is explain a little bit of the process, um, how we score it, what we look for in terms of structure, what kind of information is useful, what kind of information isn't useful. We talk about new questions and things yeah, like explain that. explain where we're coming from with new questions, so what kind of things we want to, to gather. Because one of the things we've learned, well, early on we learned that we need to write questions a particular way and often we need to revise those questions a few times to really make it clear to people what it is we're trying to capture there. So sometimes we'll put a question in that we think is very clear, but it's obvious as we go through it, yeah. that people are misunderstanding what we're after. So, or we're not asking, I don't know. I think we checked one question cause it really didn't give us good information and it was a hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. So we have duds occasionally. Sometimes well, yeah, we keep revising bleh. them. You put stuff out there based on things you're curious about or things where you see the industry going in particular directions and, uh, you see where it goes from there. Or you want to kind of, and this is going to come, this is going to sound awful, but it's like you want to stop having people have such high scores. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, you know what? That's not that great, but we had to give you full marks. 
And there's a bunch of companies where that happens and you're like, okay, we got to figure out how to either rescore it or reframe the question so that we're actually getting at more. Dig into a different area to really see what's going on. And actually that's part of what we're doing this year was sort of a thematic focus to look more at how people execute their ideas rather than just what their ideas are. Yeah. Um, and that's been an emerging sort of theme is that you can have a great idea, but if drivers don't feel like it's being executed very well, or if there are other things that undermine it, it uh, can really you know, not be helpful at all. And execution, as we know, and we have said this to ourselves for a very long time, execution is key. You can Critical. have, yeah. Yeah, ideas are easy, uh, but executing them is really the difficult part. So what are people doing, particularly in the communication area, which is sort of a, I don't know, a pet peeve of mine or a, a particular interest area is how people communicate with their drivers. And I've written some LinkedIn stories and done some other posts about that. Like over the summer, I had a couple of posts about the whole issue of the driver window and how ridiculous I think that is. And, um, you know, talking about how companies communicate, if you have an issue with a driver or if you have something you want to discuss with a driver, how do you handle that? You know, with everybody else in the office, you just call them or email them or walk over to their desk or whatever the case may be. But with a driver often there's some formal process where like a a paper note gets stuffed in a mailbox and they've got to come down and, and show up and present themselves. And that's ridiculous because it's just intimidating for the driver you know it's unsettling it's overly formal it just eradicates any sense of relationship that people might have so it's just so impersonal and cold um it doesn't really matter what your open door policy is that's gonna override anything else that you're doing so those kind of things still happen out there and that's what we want to dig into more this year and see what people are doing and you know, how are they how are they solving these problems? How are they breaking out of these sort of old um, constraints and finding new ways to build a team and build a culture? So it's going to be an exciting fall uh, interviewing these people and seeing what's going on and trying to keep up with all of our various events, um, which we keep yeah. talking about how we're going to all these events, but we haven't actually said what they are. So. Mark is going to be at the CCJ Symposium. Is it a symposium? It's a leadership symposium, yes. Um, And I am going to be at the Women in Trucking Accelerate Conference. Yeah, both of us are speaking at those. At the same time. At the same time. Yeah. So you're also speaking at the Fleet Safety Council. I am next month. And I'm doing that next month. Oh, yeah. So I keep on thinking that WIT's in October, but it's actually in November. It's two months from now. And Fleet Safety Council next is month. going to be next month. And I have three gentlemen that I will be grilling in my panel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm very happy to say that for my CCJ panel, I have all women. I have all men. Yeah. <laughs> well, an all male panel in trucking, that's not surprising. I know, that's not I news. know. And I did try and get uh, some women, but for various reasons, uh, it hasn't worked out. So I've got my... Uh, well, and the thing is, is that the three companies that are there, uh, Challenger, Herb and Transpro, they have been in the program for a really long time. They have been really great supporters of it. And mm-hmm. unfortunately they happen to be men. Mm. <laughs> so I will, I will be the, uh, representative for the other gender and 
And I'm definitely going to talk about diversity, though. Hmm. So I may put them on the spot. So Yeah. Yeah, we have several other events that we'll be attending and exhibiting at and just getting around to uh, in that time as well. But uh, we'll cover those in future podcasts, I think, as they get closer. And actually going back to the basically the theme of, I guess, the things that we're doing in the fall, I'm talking a lot about diversity uh, in my WIT presentation because I'm speaking there as well as exhibiting there. But I'm going to be talking about creating culture for the Fleet Safety Council conference. And part of that is what you do with diversity. Like, how do you attract it? What do you do when you have it? Because you can't just sort of say, okay, you know, we want diversity, come and work for us. You kind of have to have a plan for it once you've got it. Hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about either. (laughs) I'm not even going to think about it much. I mean, that's middle of November. I got... Plenty of other things to See, do I think about it. I like to have it sort of planned out. Yeah, I'll probably do a conference call with the panelists in mid-October and sort it out. But you have the luxury of just being a speaker. I've got to sort out all the booths for all of these things. So I've got like five different events that I've got exhibit booths to set sort out and get uh, confirmed and make sure that all of the pieces are there. And I learned that when I do things in the summer, at uh, as I did for GATS, I forget things. So I had forgotten to order power and stuff like that. So I got to make sure all of that stuff is. Do you have a list of things that you have to remember for every show? Um, it's, I need to put together a master list that contains all of the different options. But each show is a little bit different because sometimes we have a, a TV running a demo. Sometimes we don't. Um, sometimes the venue is carpeted. Sometimes it's not. So there's things like that that to impact it, but we are kind of getting to have a standard package of booths. So the booth that we did at Gats was a 20 foot booth. It was exactly the same as we did at Truck World uh, in April. And uh, anytime we have a 20 foot booth, we're gonna do exactly that. So mm-hmm. at Mid-America next March, we'll have the exact same uh, exhibit there. And I know exactly what the, the components are. When we do a 10 foot, like we did at TCA back in March, we're going to be doing the exact same thing uh, for ATA uh, in October. And, and in fact, I'm working with the same person at Freeman. Uh, and I just said, we're doing the same thing. You know, it gives the exact same thing. Even the graphics are the same. So your your life is not as it's getting better. horrible as you but, like to make it out as. Well, the All challenge. All of these jobs that you have. The challenge, I'm trying to get it standardized so that I can have a little bit of reliability so we don't show up and we're missing, you know, we forgot to order a TV or... We have a big blank rectangle <laughs> on our We never sent them the graphic files. <laughs> well, um, I just bring lipstick and then we can draw something. That'll do. Yeah, you can do that. You can do that if it's a show that you're attending, but it, that'll be the show that I do alone. Yeah. And it'll be a blank black thing that I can't draw <laughs> anything on, so... Um, so I'm trying to get standardized, um, and have some consistency because I know that there's a lot of moving parts on these things because you also have to deal with sometimes the package will include cleaning. Sometimes it doesn't, you know, we had cleaning ordered for GATS, but it was, they did a terrible job. Um, yeah, I wasn't really thrilled with some of the things that happened at GATS in terms of just, just how clean it was. It was not clean. No. And whether or not we had our booth cleaned and just the state of 
the the furniture and things like that it wasn't so thrilled but yeah they're so, giving us a discount on the next one good to make up for that so yeah i'm trying to get all of that organized but also things like flights and hotels and things there's a lot of moving parts for yeah. a conference so fortunately i have a little bit more time on these things because we've also added a bunch of staff since our last podcast and that's helping so um you know i'm able to pass off a lot of the partner management stuff and that will be done properly because I've done a spotty job on that and we're getting to have a lot of partners. I think we have something like 50 different partners, uh, alliance partners, uh, between resellers, integration partners, um, insurance are, partners. Yeah, the insurance that resell and endorse and associations and all of those kind of things. So yeah, it's getting to be quite a lengthy list. And, uh, yesterday I was at an event, um, a business and breakfast, um, uh, I don't know, half day seminar thing. And there was probably 25 of our partners there. (laughs) It was mostly vendors, but, uh, among those were five or six that we don't really have formal partnerships that are sort of kind of just informal Mm. individuals that we uh, have a good relationship with and they endorse us and recommend us and stuff. So, it depends on where they're working. Sometimes they work for somebody that we have a formal deal with, and sometimes they will quit and move on to somewhere else. So, um, you know, there's a lot of those things out there. So a lot of moving parts. So on the Courtney alliance. can. A lot of, a lot of work for Courtney to do. Yeah. Uh, to she's sort, been doing a great sort job everything so far. you've done out. Yes. And clean it up. And she's finding a lot of inconsistencies and what? <laughs> no, never things where you know we have a discussion and the partner will say well we'd like to do this and this and this and okay so that's what we do (laughs) but then another partner will ask for something different which maybe we should be doing for everybody so that's what uh, we're working on getting standardized now is giving everybody all the tools they need and the support and our partners have been fantastic and have really been helpful for us um but we want to make sure that we're giving them all the tools that they need. Well, part of, I think, our ability to work well with partners is is about knowing what we want from partners. You know, yeah. we want, there's very specific things that we want. Because I was talking to somebody about, about the difficulty with people wanting to partner with you, but <laughs> not really knowing what they want to do. Yeah. And it's better when you have a particular idea and say, you do this, I want, I have this, this is how we can work together. I have so many conversations with people where they, they kind of want me to figure out how to work with them. And I'm not the partner person, so I don't know, but I find that kind of, yeah, I don't know what to do with that. You know, I don't know what you do. You want to work with me, and what you're, do you you're right, do? that happens. And the ones that we have successful partnerships with are ones where it's clear what they want from us and yeah. what we can do together or, you know, what we want from them. But they also have a vision of why they want to partner with us. And there are definitely ones, uh, people that come that are interested in partnering with us and don't really have a clear idea of it. And usually what I say is, yeah, we're definitely interested and, you know, talk to us when you have a sense of, of what you'd like to do. Come and talk to me and we'll make it happen. But I think that a lot of the people who don't have a good idea of what they want to do with a partnership is more what they want is not really a partnership is they want kind of a, I want to, I want to know you. I want Sometimes to be able that. to, you know, I want to be able to have a relationship with you, mm-hmm. but not necessarily 
have our products work together, but more of a, you know, I see you're in the industry, I'm in the industry, hi. Yeah, and sometimes it's kind of a strength in numbers thing that I see you getting some press, and so if I can work with you or if I can be associated with that, then I can benefit from that, and, you know, it sort of helps both of us. It's a little bit of that thing, but it that on its own won't really be successful because there's got to be something that you can put a package around. There's got to be a story that you can take out to the world about why you're working together. So with the insurance people, we always have a great story. We're working together to improve the risk profile of the fleet. For software vendors that we partner with, we can integrate to provide a better service for our mutual customers. But even in those cases, nothing much happens until we have a mutual customer. It's always the mutual customer that that drives it. So you want that success story, you know, somebody that can be the initial customer to make sure that it runs smoothly and uh, gives you all of the things that you haven't really thought of or that you can't think of until you're in there using it. They can get all of that sorted out, but then you've got a story to take out to the world about, look what's happening here and look how well it's working. Those partnerships work out pretty well. So, um, and even I think um, like a company like TruckRite is probably the one that we've done the most, the deepest integration with. We started doing that, having a vision of what we wanted to do, but it didn't really get nailed down until they had some uh, customers that were using our service as well. And through that, we've... Uh, really got a good alignment on what we're doing. So yeah, partnership, you have to be committed, but you also have to be invested in the success of your partners as well. So uh, people that try to do partnerships with uh, resellers or distributors, and then they kind of, they don't like the idea of the partner getting too much sales, you know, so they kind of want to claw back from the partner or they get, uh, in some cases, it almost seems like they get jealous of the partner having success. But that never works. You've got to be ready for that partner to get rich off you, basically. Well, that's what you want. You want yeah. the you want people to be able to get rich off you, but you also want to be getting some of it. Well, you have you to know, balance like, the deal so that yeah. there's you know they're not getting rich at your expense. That you're exactly that everybody is having a success. That the customers are getting good value. The partner is seeing a profitable venture, and you're also. Um, in good shape with it as well. So in those situations, it can work really well. So having a dedicated person to um, standardize that that and provide additional support. And I mean, we've got inbound. And keep you in line. Yes. And slap me down when I promise something that I shouldn't. But uh, uh, we've got a couple of inbound requests a week for new partnerships. So we need to have, you know, somebody on top of that. And it also frees me up to go back to the product stuff that I'm more passionate about anyway. Yeah. And I think that your absence from the product stuff um, is never good. Mm-hmm. It's always better when you have yeah. well, when you have your fingers in that pie. Developers may not think that because if I'm focused on it, I'm always coming up with new projects for them to work on. <laughs> <laughs> I have no shortage of vision and ideas of things that I want them to build. Um, but, uh, that's going to turn into some really interesting stuff over the next six months too. And you've been doing a lot of work. Uh, I think your new interface has gone live. It did. The updated interface. Finally. With new fonts and some new graphics, which are new nicely. Icons. Yeah. Yeah. The new icons that I've been talking about up. on podcasts for months have finally gone live. Oh man. It's like redoing your house. It's like redecorating your house. It feels like that, yeah. You know, you have to go through every room. You have to look at every piece of furniture, every painting on the wall. 
you have to do it individually. I don't know how many times you're like, come here and look at this. And then I'm looking at a yet another icon for programs or icon for people. And I have to have an opinion about it. And Well, and the funny thing about interface, your analogy is bang on because not unlike when we renovated our kitchen a year ago and what started as a kitchen project ended up being the entire main floor and even all the stairs going up into the second floor because you change one thing and you realize that affects something else. Mm -hmm. Now you've got to update that to match. The interface is the same. It started with, okay, let's get a new icon set. Well, then we have an icon set, but the colors didn't really match and it didn't fit the font. So we needed to clean up all of those things. And well, now the sizing is a little bit different. So we've got to uh, deal with some spacing issues. And well, if we're making all those changes, why don't we fix some of the things that I never liked uh, when while we're in there? And Pretty I think, soon you're ripping up your whole main floor. Yeah, I think I, you know, I think I've looked at the space. I have looked at more white space in the last couple of months than, you know, it's weird because when you do design, that's actually what you should be doing is not looking at the the pictures and words, you should look at the white space in between and see if it's enough or too much or, you know, how readable it is. And because you've been doing this and saying, okay, can you go and look at what I've done and tell me what you think? I mean, that's pretty much what I did is not more white space here. Yeah. You got to take this out. Why is this so, this, why is this so narrow? Why don't you make it bigger? <sighs> I'm why glad is the it's text done. so close together? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. Done now. Well, it's done for now. <laughs> It's and never actually done. You've got like a year and then. Yeah. But um, you found a good graphic artist. Oh, I, who yeah. does great. I, I do not do icons. Man, I, she does beautiful icons. Yeah. I, I, it's a special talent. It's like kindergarten teachers. <laughs> I've yeah. always thought that people who taught the primary grades, yeah. like the really little ones. That and, is a skill for and sure. And our kids, kindergarten teachers were much like this, just have this way about them that I do not have. I cannot, I cannot be that, um, positive, not even positive, but it's just, they have this way of like, everything is great and everything yeah. is okay. And every kid is okay. And nothing that happens really bothers them or, yeah. and you know, it may not really be like that in their heads, but that's what they portray. And, and I can't even portray that. Like, I can't even fake it. I'm <laughs> just yeah. not that kind of a person. I always have these vision that these uh, kindergarten teachers are like that during the day. And then they go then to they some go fight club and they... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking Miss Hodgkin. <laughs> yeah. She's the one who, um, who I think, who's just the greatest yeah. kindergarten teacher. Um, but icon design, it's the same with icon design. Yeah. Like you, like, how do you even do that? It's like people who do miniature pictures, like yeah. do those miniature portraits. Like why, yeah. why do you like that even? Creating all these icons that are 16 pixels tall yeah. and, I, and I'm going, yeah, it doesn't really work. It needs more of this. <laughs> and then, and they come up with, she came up with an idea. It's like she'd fix it. And I was like, oh my God, that looks so good. Well, that's so. the thing because working with you it will make you crazy. No. With that kind of stuff, I'm so happy that it wasn't me. Yeah. Oh, could you change that to a slightly blacker line? Oh, my God. No. So, yes, it's You done. get what you get. No, but she was great. Your graphic designer was great. Yeah, she's patient and cheap as well. She definitely undercharges for her work. I told her that. And I told Didn't her you? She, you just paid her extra. I paid her more. Yeah. yeah, I said that's not enough. She gave me the price on this thing. And part of it is she's in Romania. 
and I don't know the economy in Romania, but like uh, she's given me the prices on these things. And I've said like, that's insane. That's way too cheap. So charge me double. Yeah. And it still costs us like next to nothing. So that's actually like the translation house I'm using in the States for, uh, or for Spanish. Spanish. Yeah. yeah. I think she's not charging enough for yeah. sure. So the next time I, uh, the next time I need to get a course translated, I may have a conversation with her and say, yeah, you can charge me a little bit more. Well, I think we've come to a, a nice breaking point in our, our podcast where we've got to the point where we're basically telling all of our suppliers to charge us more. <laughs> so if you're a supplier listening to this, do not charge us more. Yeah. Um, Only happy. if we ask you. Yeah. <laughs> Only if you're in like some faraway place doing work for us occasionally. Yeah. Um, but no, I think and for uh, such a super cheap price. Yes. So I think that kind of brings us to the end of our episode for today. Okay. We will have more. We are, I'm bound and determined to get on a regular schedule with these. Well, to maintain a regular schedule, at least for the next couple of months. Okay. Yeah. By late November, it's going to probably start slipping, but for now we're going to stick with it. So every three weeks. All right. And with that, I think we can wrap it up. All right. Goodbye. Have a Farewell. Great day. Have a good day.